life. And say to your neighbor, and God will show me his salvation. Yeah, I thank the Lord for this opportunity to be able to share the word of God with you. We've got a lot happening today. So after service, we have a baptism. And um, when we're done with the baptism, we want you all to stay and join with us. We have a cake in the back for our pastors. And so we want you to stay in fellowship with us. Don't you love Pastor Dave and Ina? Give him a hand. <laughs> yeah, we love him. We honor them. And I thank the Lord that they're giving me an opportunity to encourage you again. So we're going to talk this morning a little bit about something in the Old Testament and how it translates into the New Testament. So the Old Testament's kind of a type and shadow. So we're going to talk about the mantles and God's dream for the church. How many of you know that God's church is a powerful church? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm powerful because I'm part of the church. So it was already spoken that we're members of the body of Christ. So each one of us have a, play, a, play, a part to play in the kingdom of God. But I want to tell you that God has no wimps in the kingdom. Look at your neighbor and say, God has no wimps in the kingdom. <laughs> he has a strong and a glorious church. Amen. And he's got an anointed church. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm anointed for this season. And no devil in hell will ever conquer me. All right. Father, we thank you for this word. God, I thank you, Father, for your church. God, I thank you, Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit, that you just come and that you would teach us this morning, Lord. God, that each one of us would take away exactly what you have for us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I talk about mantle, I'm not talking about the fireplace mantle. <laughs> I'm talking about a mantle that they used in the Old Testament. So if you just bear with me, I'm going to read to you at the top of our notes. What is a biblical mantle? It's an official garment of the prophet, priest, or king. They used it as a symbol of authority. It's a man's gift, the call of God, and the purpose which God has called him. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm called. It serves as a symbolic purpose in the case of the prophets by showing that they were wrapped in God's authority. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm wrapped in God's authority. <laughs> yes, so we're going to read this story, and you're all familiar with it, but we're going to read it in 1 Kings. So we're going to talk about Elijah and Elisha. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of uh, Saphat who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Verse 20. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So this is a powerful story of Elisha coming into the picture with Elijah. And Elisha walked with Elijah for a long time. And Elijah mentored Elisha. And Elisha eventually becomes a powerful prophet under the direction and under the anointing of Elijah. How many has ever been mentored by anyone? So for six years, I sat under a Spanish teacher. She was from uh, Colombia. And for six years, 
um, she taught me every Tuesday at 9.30 for six years. I sat in this woman's living room, and she taught me the Word of God. But she taught me many other things. Not only the Word, but she taught me things about character. And she taught me the importance of spending time with the Lord. She taught me about the importance of praise and worship and how to never let it go from my life. And so after those six years, I moved, I relocated back to upstate New York, and it was within about two months from that time that the door opened for me to begin teaching in the local church. So I want to say that there's times and there's seasons in our life where we're mentored. There's times and seasons in our life where we begin to grow in the knowledge and in the understanding of the Lord. So if you receive, I'm going to get off a little bit, if you receive a prophetic word, it may not necessarily be that that prophetic word is going to happen for you tomorrow, but it's going to happen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to happen. So whatever it is that the Lord has spoken to you, it's going to happen. So it may not happen tomorrow, but it will happen in your lifetime if you don't let loose of that word of God. Amen. So you need to hold to the word and hold to those things that God has told you. God has a dream for each one of us. And if you think that's crazy, it's not because he recorded it in the book of Psalm, chapter 139, verse 16, where he said that he has written about you all the days of your life. So not one day was left out or forsaken, but every single day of your life, God himself journaled about you. So God has a dream for you, and he has a purpose for you, and it's now, we're in that season now, where the church is beginning to transform, where we're, we're reforming, we're having a, a, a moment in God, where the church is beginning to arise. So when you hear rumors of wars, and you hear these things going on in our culture today, and we're sure hearing a lot of stuff, aren't we? So we're hearing a lot about wars and destruction, but I want you to know that in the midst of that, in the midst of that, from the beginning of time, from the moment Jesus Christ ascended to be seated at the right-hand side of his Father, at that moment, the church of Jesus Christ has been growing. And we are growing supernaturally. We are growing in demonstration. We are growing in power. And the mantles that God has for his church, he's releasing to his church in a greater measure in this day. Say with me in a greater measure. Say with me, I'm part of that. <laughs> I'm part of that too. <laughs> All right, so let's get to my notes real quick. So number one, Elisha had to uproot so that's your first fill-in. He had to uproot his way of life to follow Elijah. And Elisha was from a very wealthy family. And we know that because he had 12 yoke of oxen. That was a symbol of wealth. He was willing to fulfill the call of God on his life. And he knew that the nation needed to hear the word of the Lord. Just like the sons of Issachar in First Chronicles 12 and verse 32. I'll read that to you real quick. They were faithful and they were loyal. And David was calling people to come because David was going to become king. And the sons of Issachar knew the season and the time that they were in. Do you have that? Yep. The sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times. Look at your neighbor and say, I have an understanding of the times. To know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and their brethren were at their command. So there was a loyalty that the sons of Issachar knew. And they knew that it was their moment and their season to help David. 
And so I want you to know that it's our season and our moment that we stand and we begin to arise so that the church of Jesus Christ can be glorified. Look at your neighbor and say, so the church can be glorified. Okay, so the sons of Issachar, they knew the seasons and the time that they were in. And Elisha was willing to be uprooted from the only life that he knew. How many, how many do you know that there's times in your life when God is going to uproot you and he's going to place you someplace else? Because God knows that he's got, a, he's got a call on your life. And so for me, I was in upstate New York, and it was the year 2001. And my husband had taken a new job down here in Raleigh. And I was giving him a hard time because I was in the church, and I was teaching in the Women's Aglow, and um, I was doing things for God. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I was doing things for God. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> So I had to move down here, and I thought, you know, I thought, man, I had to stop everything I was doing. I was directing a pregnancy center, and I loved that job. It was my favorite job. And, um, but I had to uproot and move to North Carolina. And so when we came to North Carolina, um, I quickly joined the Women's Aglow down here because I needed that life source. I felt <laughs> that I needed that, and I felt like everything had been stripped from me, and I felt like... Everything had been uprooted. And so I wonder how Elisha felt because he was being pulled away from his family. He was so loyal to his community and to his mother and to his father. And then all of a sudden, Elijah comes along and throws the mantle on him. Come follow me, you know. And so there was a season when I thought that I was like dying, like I thought. I, w I cried every day when I first come down here to North Carolina. And at one point, I sat before the Lord and I said to him, God, I feel like I'm dying. And the Holy Spirit says, good. Now I can use you. Wow. I had a moment. And I, I, I wonder if Elisha had a moment like that. I wonder. And sometimes when God uproots us and takes us someplace else, we don't necessarily understand it. But you have to know and believe that it's part of the call that God has upon your life because he doesn't let anything happen to you that you can't handle. Amen. And it was a few years later that I came to River of Life Church. So I wouldn't be here had I not have been uprooted from upstate New York. How many from a different state? How many were, moved here and didn't know why you were moving here? <laughs> and here you are. Here you are at River of Life Church being mentored, I would say, under one of the most powerful leaders that I have ever served under. Amen. Pastor Dave. All right. So he had to be uprooted from everything that he knew. Number two, just like Elijah in this story, there have been mantles placed, you're feeling there's callings on your life to fulfill our destiny that the Lord has called us to. So in the Old Testament, the mantle was physical, and today the mantle is spiritual. Elijah was faithful and loyal, and he, he obeyed the prophet Elijah. We're number three. And God's, as God's children, we must press in for more and contend for the breakthrough. How many of you know you have to sometimes in your life contend for that breakthrough? And it's right at the moment where you feel like, you feel like everything is coming completely against you, and you feel like, I don't know, all hell was coming against you. It's at that moment in your life that you must contend for the breakthrough because the breakthrough is going to come because God has got his eye on his church. Hallelujah. All right. So Elijah pressed in and he trained under the anointing of Elijah. He knew at some point that Elijah, he'd have to depart, but that didn't stop Elisha from following Elijah. 
We must contend for the impossible with God. Look at your neighbor and say, I must contend for the impossible with God. He has a dream for his church, and nothing is impossible for him. Nothing. So it doesn't matter what stage you're in in your walk with the Lord. doesn't matter what trial you're going through at this moment in time. Nothing is impossible for those that believe. Nothing's impossible for the church of Jesus Christ. Are you the church of Jesus Christ? Yes. Luke 18, 27, we're familiar with this scripture as well. But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible for God. I believe the church of Jesus Christ is going to a whole new level. And when I, say, when I say that, I believe that 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, I believe that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal in the flesh, but they have power to destroy strongholds. So I believe that we're going to a new level in the Lord. I shared on Wednesday night about a little bit, a little synopsis about the history of the church and some of the struggles that some of them went through during the growth and the building of the church. And they went through horrible things, horrendous things, things that we've not seen with our own natural eye. But there were people during that time as the church was growing and building that God used, that God mantled or that God anointed, and he used greatly for the building of the kingdom of God, for the building of his church. And so here we are in the 21st century, and there's not a stronghold that can ever come against the church of Jesus Christ. We are stronger today than we have ever been. Look at your neighbor and say, I am stronger today than we have ever been. So number four, we must allow the hidden mystery. That's your, your fill in there. We must allow the hidden mystery of Christ that's abiding and dwelling in us to transform us. First Colossians 1.24. We'll start there. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And this is Paul. And fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now, look at your name and say, but now, has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I shared on Wednesday night, I want to ask my friends to come up here if I've asked you to come and stand with me. Who was that? Uh, Pius, Pastor Pius, Norman, Ronnie and Roseanne, come up and stand here with me. So I shared on Wednesday night um, about some of the mystery of God and what that mystery of God included. And so in the Old Testament, we know, you can form a line right across here. Yep. I'm going to use them as an example. <laughs> And so we know that in the Old Testament, the mantle was thrown or laid upon them. And that was a symbol of what? It was a symbol of authority. It was a symbol of power. It was the symbol, Roseanne, of the anointing. So that was symbolic back in those days. So the mantle was placed on you, and the Bible says that they were wrapped, Ronnie, in the anointing. They were wrapped in it. Pious to lead the nations, to lead the kingdoms of this world. So the mantle was placed upon them. Part of the mystery of God is that they were recreated. We are now 
recreated in Jesus. We are now indwelling the power of the Holy Spirit. We now have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Each one is a child of God. Not just one called, but we are all called. Every single one of us are called. We are, the Bible says in number five in your notes, that we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, that we would proclaim the goodness of God and his riches. Amen? So give them a hand. So they are now anointed. <laughs> they are now anointed. Amen? Stay with me. I am now anointed. Stay with me. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. Say with me, I can take the nations of this earth for Jesus. Say with me, I am called. Say with me, I am a royal priesthood. I am a chosen generation. Chosen for this moment. In time, I am. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I've been mantled. I've been anointed for such a time as this. Hallelujah. Give them a hand. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> you can be seated. All right. So you can keep it. <laughs> so we have now been anointed. Each one of us have been anointed. It's not, we don't live in the Old Testament. It was a type and shadow of what Jesus Christ himself is doing for us today. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we, each one in this room, have been anointed for greatness. Each one of us in this room have been anointed to do powerful things in the name of Jesus. Say with me, I am anointed. If you get anything out of this message today, I want you to know that you are powerful. You are powerful in the kingdom of heaven. And there is no weapon that will ever be formed against you that will ever prosper. Because God is for you. He is married to his church. And it's a glorious church. Okay, so number five, today we all have the authority to walk in the anointing of God. We have been made priests unto God through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pull that scripture up, First Peter. So you also, excuse me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, so as we walk out the dream that God has for us, he is mantling us with his glory. Hallelujah. Or he's anointing us for his glory. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. Say, I'm being built up a spiritual house. Okay. A holy priesthood. Say with me, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Say that with me. I am his special people. I am. That you, mo that you may proclaim the praises of him. That's your sacrifice many times, is when you're, you're, you're lifting up the sacrifice of praise, maybe. Maybe you're in a difficult season in your life, and so you, your praise becomes a sacrifice. God, I can't do this. I can't bear, but I'm going to worship you because I know that you have got this in the palm of your hand. I know that you have got me in this season, so I'm going to praise you. So proclaim the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Say with me, I live in the light of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Father. Number six, there have been many powerful men of God in the Bible and throughout the church age. 
that were busy being faithful to something else when God called them. Just like Elisha, David was tending his sheep. Peter was a fisherman. Moses was pastoring his father-in-law's flock. Pastor Dave was faithful to another man's ministry for 25 years. There comes a time when each one of us must step into the dream that God has for us. There's got to be that time. We can't live out someone else's dream. But there's a time when we each one step into that possibility with the Lord. That we take that one foot and put it in the water. And say, I'm going to go with you, Jesus. I don't know where, where this is going, but I'm going with you. Going with you because I'm going to fulfill the dream that you have for me. Hallelujah. All right. So um, let's go number seven. So he is calling his church to bring heaven's overflow to this earth. And when I say he's calling the church to bring heaven's overflow, I mean everything that's in heaven can be established here on this earth. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. There's no fear in heaven. There's no anxiety in heaven. There's no doubt in heaven. All there is in heaven is worship and praise in Jesus. Everything that every, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights from above. So everything good is in heaven. And so when I say that we have the power to bring all of heaven's resources to this earth, we have that power because we have been anointed. We have been mantled in this season to bring forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You and I have that power. We have the capability. We have an indwelling on the inside of us. We've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power, power to declare the word of God to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You and I have that power. You and I have that indwelling of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. That makes us powerful, Pastor Pius. Look at your neighbor and say, that makes me powerful. Look out. <laughs> Look out. The church is coming. The church is arising. We're being transformed and we're being reformed in this hour. Amen. And so it doesn't surprise me that God would raise up a born-again believer to sit in the House of Representatives. doesn't surprise me. That man, though many of us don't know him, is stepping into the dream that God has for him. He says, I'm going to step into that dream, and I'm going to do it. I don't know what it's going to entail, but I'm going to do it because God's called me to fulfill my dream in this hour. Amen. All right, so where did I leave off? Number eight. So, oh, number seven. <laughs> okay. He is calling his church to bring heaven's overflow to this earth. You have been anointed for this season. That's your next fill-in. Every believer has been gifted with a gift, perhaps more than one. What he has gifted you with, he has called you to do. So if he's gifted you in the realm of healing, then Ronnie Graham, he's called you to do that. So if he's gifted you in words of wisdom, Ruth, then he's called you to do that. If he's called you to, to words of knowledge, then you're called to do that. If he's called you to walk in miracles, then that's what you're called to do. So whatever gift that God has given to you, God has called you to do that gift. He doesn't take that gift away. But many times we put God in a box and we feel like we can't break out of that box. We feel like we got to stay in this little tiny box, but God is not in a box. Save me, God is everywhere. <laughs> he is everywhere. And so if he's gifted you, Norman, to write books, then that's what you have to do. 
So if, if whatever the gift is that God has called you, whatever prophetic word that God has given to you and spoke over your life, perhaps he said you're going to the nations. Perhaps he says you're going to teach and lead. Perhaps he says you're pastoral, you're an evangelist. Whatever gift God has given to you in this season, in this hour, go and do it. Go and do it. And God will, God will watch over his word to perform it in your life. Hallelujah. All right. So what he has gifted you with, he has called you to do. We must take the limits off and stop putting God in a box. Stop it. Just stop it. Just don't do it. Yeah, just don't do it. And if you find yourself doing it, stop yourself. Say, shame on you, Kimberly. Don't do it. You know, don't put God in a box. He doesn't want to stay in a box. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more than what we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. So he can do far more than what you ever thought possible. Hallelujah. So uh, number eight, Elisha responded to Elijah immediately. He did not hesitate. He knew he was being called. God is calling us today to be his glorious church. And to step into the dream that he has for you and for me. So we are his glorious church. Amen. And when he comes back, he's coming back from one without spot or wrinkle. <laughs> so we got some work to do. Look at your neighbor and say, I've got some work to do. Because <laughs> there's some spots and there's some wrinkles. Okay. So God is coming back, though, for a glorious church, right? And so the apostles and the prophets, the teachers and the evangelists, they help to grow and mature us, right? But I want to tell you something that I feel in my spirit. I feel that when we can learn how to love like Jesus learns, then everything else is going to flow from there. I believe that when we can see as Jesus sees, I believe that everything else is going to flow from that realm. I believe that the Bible says that there's two commandments. You love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. So who's your neighbor? Is it, is it the person who lives next door? Is it the person that we work with? Is it those, those commentators on TV that don't, don't speak our language, that speak something else? Who is it? Who is it that we can't love? So I think that once love can flow through his body, we'll see the unity, and we'll see the spots and the wrinkles begin to fade away, and we'll see the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Because he loves his people. He sent his only begotten son. He's not going to do that again. He saw what happened to his son the first time. He's not going to do that again. But we're called to love one another. We're called to see like he sees. Thank you, Jesus. Did I give you Romans 8 back there? Romans 8, 17 in the sound booth? Did I, did I give you that? It's not in your notes, but did I give you that scripture? Can I read it? Yeah. So that's not in your notes. You might want to jot that down. So, And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, is if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Hallelujah. So God is calling a glorified church. Number nine, Elijah became just like Elijah, a powerful prophet. He received a double portion of the anointing. And let's take a look at, let's read this story. Second Kings 2. 1 through 14, and it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Say, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, 
do you know that the Lord's going to take away your master from you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. <laughs> then I think he's probably having a hard time. Okay. So then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as our soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elijah and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? And so he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. <laughs> and then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'm not going to leave you. So the two of them went on. So after 50 men and the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water as it was divided this way and that. So the two of them crossed over the dry ground. And so it was when he had crossed over that Elijah said to Elijah, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken from you? Because Lord knows he wasn't going to let him go. He was going to stay right with him. So now Elijah's like, what can I do for you? Just what? What can I do for you? Because I can't seem to get rid of you. <laughs> Before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. <laughs> so he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And I want to stop right there for a minute. So we'll, we'll pick back up there on that verse. So he said that to receive a double portion of the anointing, there was a condition that Elisha gave to Elisha. And I want you to see this. The double portion of the spirit, he had to see it with his eyes. Say with me, he had to see it. Okay, so he had to see it. So now we can go to verse 11. That's the power of the imagination, Ronnie. You're absolutely right. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up into a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. And he also took up the mantle that Elijah had thrown down. He took up that mantle that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And this is what he said. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord of the God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over it. Hallelujah. <laughs> so Elisha received the double portion, and he wasn't going to leave Elijah until he got it. People came along the way and warned him, said, don't you know that your master is leaving? He's going away today. Be silent. I'm going with him. And so every time, and then to their amazement, 50 men stood there and watched as Elijah separated the water. And Elijah's like, what can I do for you? What do you want from me? I want your anointing. And so many times in our life, we have got to see it. Look at your neighbors. I've got to see it. So if God has called you to whatever it is that he's called you to, you have got to see yourself doing it. Elijah wasn't, Elisha wasn't going to let go of Elijah until he had that double portion of anointing. Say with me, I have that today. 
All right. So he took hold of his own clothes and he rent them in pieces. Why? Because out with the old and coming into the new. There was a powerful young prophet that was in the making and getting ready to be unleashed into that kingdom of those days. Listen to this. Elijah had recorded in the Bible. Elijah had 16 miracles, but Elisha did over 32 miracles in the Bible. He truly received the double portion. Say with me, he received the double portion. And say with me, I'm receiving that double portion today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> today, number 10, we have the double portion. The mystery of the hope of glory living on the inside of us. I said Wednesday night that the Old Testament prophets, they didn't have that. They didn't have the hope of the mystery. They didn't have the hope of glory on the inside of them. We do today. We have it. I mentioned to you on Wednesday that prophets of old wished that they had lived in our day. They were pretty powerful prophets, by the way. They were powerful and did exploits for, king, for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but they wished at this moment in time that they would be with us because we're going to do far more miracles and things that they ever thought about doing. Hallelujah. Because why? We have the mystery of the hope of glory living on the inside of us. The gift that God has called you to, he will never take away. He doesn't take away your gift. So if you've sat on it or the gift has been on the shelf and you've not heeded the gift or the call of God on your life, he's not taking that away. He doesn't take away what he gives. Pick it back up today, I would encourage you. To pick it back up and begin to walk in that dream that God, Philip, has called you to walk in. So we have to pick it up and begin to go. Take, take the Lord outside of the box and begin to walk in the double anointing that God has for you. So you must see yourself moving. That's your, your last fill-in. You must see yourself moving in the anointing of the Most High God. Just as Elijah placed the mantle onto Elijah, God himself through his son has placed his mantle upon his church through the power of the Holy Spirit that's working and dwelling and living on the inside of you. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, verse 8, he says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed his mind about it. What he has called you to do, he will do. Hallelujah. Stand up, stand up with me. Thank you, Father. I just want to say a, a prayer over you. Father, I thank you, God, that you have called each one of us. Lord, I thank you that you've called us into your kingdom for such a time as this. Father, I thank you, God, that no weapon formed against us will never prosper. Father, I thank you, God, for the healing anointing that resides in this house, Lord. I thank you, Father God, for the prophetic anointing that's in this house. Father, I thank you, God, that if we have put our, put our call or our gifts on a shelf, Father, we ask for you to forgive us today, Lord. Father, and just cleanse us, Father. And we thank you, Lord. We're going to pick up that gift again and that call again, that dream that you have for us again, God. We're going to pick it up, Lord, because we are your church. We are your mouthpiece. And, Father, I pray, God, that you would bless, you would bless this congregation this morning, Father. Father, that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear what you are speaking to them. God, that they would live out the purpose and the dreams that you have for them. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. God is good. We're, we're going to do, do something a little special today. So I need for the ushers and Pastor Lorraine to help me with this.